You are listening to a five-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Generous. This series aims to equip you in becoming a generous person, not only one who blesses other people, but someone who experiences financial peace and reduces worry. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. So we're in this uh, series called Generous to help prepare us for this next resource initiative, to prepare our hearts uh, and we've been, this is the fifth of the sixth week. And some of you may be thinking, man, five weeks, that's a, that's a lot. Of, you're talking about giving quite a bit. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, what are some of the most important actions in the Bible? Like if you were to write down a little, okay, what does the Bible say? These are important things. Well, one, which Dylan already mentioned, and we've mentioned all of our locations that we have this week of prayer come up. Prayer, pray, to pray is a big deal. Look how many times it's mentioned in the Bible. 174 times it says to pray. What about belief? I mean, you cannot be saved unless you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and he's the Savior. Well, that's quite a bit, 258 times. What about love? I mean, everybody loves love. It's love. It's its greatest, you know, faith, hope, and love. 651 times. Now, you guys are smart people. You know where this is going. Give. 1,095 times mentioned in the Bible to give. Giving is one of the most important actions that a Christian can do. And here's why. It's because, um, you know, we talked about this this first week, that we are receivers of God's generosity. We are receivers of God's grace. And God's, the great God's grace is tangible in our lives. And so if you were to, if someone was to say that's an orange tree over there, you would expect to see oranges. If you, someone said that's an apple tree, you'd expect to see apples. If you, someone says that's a Christian, you would expect to see Christ. And the whole idea is that we've been, and this is Paul's big point in this section of scripture, is that we've been, we've been receiving the generosity of God and, the, and a tangible evidence that we've received the generosity of God is that we're giving the generosity of God. And so his point isn't that, hey, you guys are not, you know, pulling your weight around here. His point is like, man, you've not, you, you don't know who God is, and I want you to know who God is. So he's, he's on it. And um, I, I do like talking about generosity. I, I used to not like it, uh, but I like, I mean, I like generosity just in general. And, and I didn't like giving, but God's um, really dealt with my wife and I. And in fact, every year um, we have our, during our annual my wife and I are during our annual budget meeting, which is way more romantic than it sounds. And <laughs> one of the things, before we talk about like, hey, this is what we want to do for a vacation, or this is what we want to buy this year, and close, we, it's always giving. And, and how can we give the most uh, away? And I, I want to talk about something that's been hijacked by some TV preachers. I want to talk today about sowing and reaping. There are some TV preachers with really expensive suits and goofy hair that totally hijack this, but it's so, it's biblical nonetheless. The Bible talks a lot about sowing and reaping, and especially when it comes to finance. And the big idea I want us to get today is what you keep is all you have, and what you give, God multiplies. What you keep, everything's from God, but what you keep is all you have. But what you give, God will multiply. And to help us understand this, this is the passage that was read. There's three things I want to talk about. We need to understand God's math. We need to understand God's method. 
we need to understand God's motivation. So God's math. The best um, way to increase a sum according to God's mathematics is to decrease it, which makes no sense, in case you're thinking about what I just said. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Here's God's math. God's math is 10 minus 1 is greater than 10 minus 0. That's God's math. It's not the math you learn in first grade. If you turn this paper in in first grade, you flunk. God's math, 10 minus 1, is greater. You think, well, if I keep all 10, I'm going to have more than if I give it away. But that's not. I know that this doesn't make sense, but it's, it's how God works, and he helps us out here. He explains it with these, this harvest analogy and principle. So, so a farmer, the sowing and reaping, if you sow, you're going to reap a harvest. So what a farmer does, a farmer essentially takes almost all of his wealth and he gives it away. He puts, his, he puts the seed that he has and he plants it into the ground with absolutely no guarantee that he's going to get it back. It may not rain. Just ask the farmers in California. So... But what a farmer does, a farmer sows, he decreases his supply in faith that it's going to come back to him multiplied. So that's what Jesus is saying, that, that, if, that if, you keep your, if, you, if you keep the seed that you have, that's all you get. But if you plant it into the ground, if you decrease your seed, it multiplies. God will multiply it. Uh, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap, this is, you'll reap sparingly. Let's check out what Jesus says in, in Luke 6. He says this. Give it, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be the measure back to you. Now, we get this idea, okay, I get, okay, sowing and reaping, but what's all this good measure, pressed down, shaken together? Well, I didn't know what that meant either, so don't feel bad. I had to do some research. And what I found out, so this was an uh, agrarian society, and landowners, what they would do is... Um, they would hire these day laborers to, to carry the seed back to him. And so they get these baskets, and they do one basket at a time. Well, they were smart. They didn't fill it all the way up because that would be too heavy for them to carry all the way back. So they'd fill about half full or three quarters. But, what, but how they got paid is the, the landowner would say, okay, the last basket you bring in, that's yours. Now, how full do you think that basket was? Good measure, pressed down. So, like, it's like with your my kids. Like, I say, hey, you can have, hey, you can have one small bowl of ice cream. What do they do? They press it down, shake it together till it's running over, and and then it doesn't up in their lap. And so that's what he that's what that's what he's saying here is that God wants to bless. He's going to bless you just like that. That 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 you're going to you're going to get that because um, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Again, one of the reasons why this gets just distorted is because there is something that, if you've been around the church world, you know what this is. Uh, if you haven't been around the church world, you probably still know what this is, unfortunately. Uh, the prosperity gospel, that if you just have enough faith, you know, you, you should have a Rolex and a Rolls Royce and all that, um, which sounds great, except Jesus didn't have that and a few others. Um, so there's a, the prosperity gospel, which just isn't true. It's distorted, and it's manipulative, and it's um, gross. Um, but then there's a flip side of that called the, the poverty gospel, which isn't as popular, but it's still there nonetheless, um, but which basically says to have anything, have any kind of wealth, you must be unrighteous. 
There must be something wrong with you. You know, you're sinful if you have stuff. And the truth is, what you have does not make you unrighteous or righteous. What makes you unrighteous or righteous is the condition of your heart. So Paul's getting at in 1 Timothy 6. He says, as, the, as for the rich in this present age, which is you and I, charge them not to be haughty, which isn't good looking. It just means prideful. Nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So I just want to, on that last sentence, it's okay to enjoy stuff. It's okay to enjoy what you have. Like we're in this next series and like, you know, you know, everyone's maybe trying to figure out, how, you know, we're all doing this and how, you know, how can we maximize? No one's going to like call you out for enjoying what you have. So if you go, if you go to Starbucks and get a latte, that's, I just want you to know that's okay. If it's like a, if you get like a venti, I mean, that's kind of greedy, but if it's like, if it's a tall or maybe a grand, it's okay. But if you get a, it's okay to enjoy stuff. But what he's talking about is what happens to our heart. So, so Psalm 62.10 says, as your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Paul's saying the same thing, and, and, and he's saying, uh, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. There's this migration of hope that happens to you, that you become a Christian. You're like, God's my number one. And then as, your, as money increases or you see someone else's money increase, your, your heart begins to migrate over that way. So as, as I get more and more stuff, I, I, I want more and more stuff, and, you're, and that becomes your hope. Or you see somebody else. You, you're, you may not be getting riches, but you see somebody else getting riches, and your heart migrates toward that, which is why if, if, you're, if your heart has migrated toward money, it's really hard for you to let it go. And I want you to know the reason why is because that is the way God has made you. God has made you that whatever your hope is, your heart just bends around that. And you begin to protect it. So I've seen this with relationships. Like you, I've seen people that have been in a relationship where people try to speak into that relationship. It's like, get away from my relationship. Because this is your hope. you got your hope there. What is the big three that we're not supposed to talk about? Money. Religion, politics. Oh, we, past four or five months, have we not seen the evidence of a migration of hope toward politics or whoever's elected or who's not elected and what's happening and not happening? There's hope there. In fact, some of you are tensing up right now as I'm talking. <laughs> Money, though more than politics and even religion because for, for a lot of people money is the religion it's just we set our hope on it and so the issue isn't whether or not you have stuff or don't have stuff if you have a lot of money or don't have money it's where is your hope what do you hope what what gives you hope for tomorrow is it god or is it money who, who are you trusting in are you trusting in god are you trusting in money what you keep is all you have but what you give god We'll multiply a little more about God's math and reaping and sowing. One is that you do reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Um, and your mom probably told you this when you were a kid. And like, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. It's like a threatening thing. But it's true. Like, you do reap what you sow. I mean, if you go plant corn, you're not going to get spinach. Right? Or if you... If you walk into a room and you smile at them, I can barely do it. They can smile. They, they, people will likely smile back. Um, 
So you reap what you sow, but there's something more than that. You don't just reap what you sow, but you, according to the Bible, you reap more than you sow. Check that out what Jesus says in Matthew 19. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit life. And he, again, Jesus, in other places, he, he totally taps into this harvest analogy and says, you know, it's like a sower goes out, and if it falls on good soil, it will, it will produce a harvest that's 30 and 60 and 100 fold. You reap what you sow, you also reap more than you sow. You sow. In our marriage, about 15 years ago, this is, we have been married about a year or so, and I had just be, really started tracking with God. I wasn't, I wasn't a, a pastor yet, and... Um, I was listening to a speaker talk, and he was, he was from a third world country, and he was just throwing a comment. He was just talking about the inflation that's in his country. If you know about inflation, it's really bad. You don't want inflation. Um, it means the, the value of your money just decreases, and it was just, it was hyper. Like, they would, a, a loaf of bread would be $10 one day and be $100 the next month. It was just, you can imagine being in that scenario. Um, and I had the thought, like, well, he, because I was a finance guy, I, I was like, he should, have, he should have American currency. He should put, and then as soon as I said that in my head, God said, well, why don't you give him some of your American currency? And so I told my wife, I said, hey, I think just God says we're supposed to give him money. So we had the 600 bucks in this vacation account, and we gave it all to him on the spot. Or to check, so here it is, you can have it. And um, so we didn't have a vacation well, we are totally fine with that. We're like, hey, we wanted, we wanted, this is what God's telling us to do. Well, I'm not telling, I'm making this up. Within a month, I had two separate people come up to us and said, we want to help send you on a trip. And we went to Europe. We were going to go like to the lake or something. And then like, <laughs> we got upgraded to Europe. Now, I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. Like, I'm not saying like, this is like a way like, you, you give and God gives you. I'm just saying, like, God multiplies, and he multiplies, and there's a reason why um, he does that, which I'll talk about here in a bit. So God's mass. Secondly, God's method. Here's God's method. Let me reread 2 Corinthians 9, 5 through 7. So Paul says, I thought it necessary to urge brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance the gift that you had promised. I think Paul would have loved push pay. Just like, let's just not make a big, big deal of this. Just automate your giving. Just put it out there so it's not this big, like, every time we get together, we have to do this big song and dance. Just prepare it in advance. So that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction, like it's got to be taken out of you. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there are three ways to give and three ways not to give. You give bountifully, that's what it says, but not sparingly. You give cheerfully, not reluctantly. You give willingly, not under compulsion. So Paul's here, he's not saying like, hey, there are some of you who are giving and there are some of you who aren't giving. Sorry for you guys over here. But what he was saying, <laughs> didn't mean that. What he's saying is like, everybody's giving. So everybody was giving. Some were giving bountifully, some were giving sparingly, some were giving cheerfully, some were giving reluctantly, some were giving willingly, and some were giving under compulsion. Let's talk about the negative. Why is this a big deal? Well, think about the word sparingly for a second. If I was to say, spare my life, what am I saying? Let me keep it. 
or if we had to get something done, say, hey, spare no expense in getting this done. Don't hold anything back. To give sparingly is, is giving, but it's giving with a heart that says, I'd rather not. I'd rather keep. I'd rather spare it. And so uh, he comes along and says, don't give, don't give sparingly. Hold nothing back. The issue here isn't that you're giving or not giving. It's how we're giving. Let's talk about the positive. Bountifully. Bountifully. This word, um, this here word means to sow on the basis of blessing. To sow on the basis of blessing. So Paul's like, Paul's like, man, and this is his bigger point in these two chapters, 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9. The point he's trying to make is like, the Christian life is one that's been uh, hooked up to the life source of God, who, who hasn't even spared his own son. He's just gonna, he just floods our life with blessing and love. He doesn't do, know how to do anything but love and blessing and generosity. And so he's like, the Christian is one who just like, is just breathing in God's love and generosity to the point they're so full that if you just prick them with a pin, they just ooze out generosity. It's not going to be an exaction. It's not going to be like I got to take something from them. It's just like squirting out of them, like, you know, not, not, not sparingly, but bountifully, not, not reluctantly, but cheerfully, not under compulsion, not like, okay, let's really pump stuff out of them. It's just, it's just because they are, they are receiving, they are constantly receiving the grace of God. That's Paul's bigger concern. Paul's bigger concern is that, hey, I want you to excel in this grace because, to, because one of the evidence that you are receiving grace is that you're giving grace. One of the evidences that you're breathing in here is you're breathing it out. If you breathe in air and don't breathe out, you die. If you can, and if you've not breathed in, you can't breathe anything out. And Paul's like, that's the same thing with giving. If you're receiving generosity, you should be breathing out generosity. I uh, heard a story of this mom, and she uh, was wanting to teach her daughter about giving. So they go to this church service, and she gives, a, uh, she gives her daughter a $5 bill and a $1 bill and says, keep one and give the other one. So the daughter's like, okay. So the basket comes uh, to her, and, and this little girl puts in the $1. And so the mom says afterwards, like, hey, how come you gave the one and not the five? Well, I heard the pastor said that I'm supposed to be a cheerful giver, and I think I'll be more cheerful if I keep the five. And so, which is both funny, but it's the way that we think. We think we'll be happier if we keep. But all we keep is all we have. What we give, God multiplies. Before I came to Jesus, my heart was just like, I mean, my heart was like a magnet. Anything that came within my force field just sucked to me possessions. When God dealt with my heart, it's like, you know, it's like the magnet turned the other way, and now just, I want to give. It's, it's like, you know, what it says in Genesis 12, that God, want, God sends his blessing to us so that we'll be a blessing to the nations, that we're not meant to be cul-de-sacs of God's blessing. We're meant to be conduits of his blessing that comes to us, to others. And uh, my, we're to the point now, my wife and I love it. I mean, we love being generous. We... Um, you know, just, you know, in this next resource initiative, when we sat down and figured out, you know, what we would give, like, I said, okay, I think we can give, I think we should give this, am- this amount. And when we, and when she saw it, and we, saw, we, we were like, yes, yeah, this is great. We weren't thinking like, well, what about this? And what about that? And what, it was just like, we want to get, we're, we want to do this because we've seen God's faithfulness over and over and over again, which sometimes can feel reckless. It can feel reckless. And it actually is meant to be reckless. 
in a way. I mean, the, the word um, cheerful here um, really mean, can also mean hilarious. Like, our giving is to be hilarious. Like, ha, <laughs> I can't believe I'm giving this much money. And um, that was awful. I should have hired an actor to do that, but I... But here's the thing, here's the thing, you, can, here, you, you can't, and the reason why it's so funny and so hilarious when you get into this is you cannot outgive God. People have tried. Jesus, God said, in, or excuse me, Paul said about God that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You cannot outgive God, but you can give like God. You can give like God. Because how did God give to us? Jesus did not give sparingly. He did not spare his own son. Will he not give us all things? God is not a sparing giver. He is a bountiful giver. Jesus is not a, a reluctant giver. He is a cheerful giver. In Hebrews it says this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He wasn't like, oh, I gotta die for these people. I guess I will. I don't really want to. It says, for the joy set before him, for the joy. He had the vision to look through the tunnels of time and see you and you and you saved. And from that joy of seeing your life change, he endured the cross. He did it cheerfully. And he did it without compulsion. John 10, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. You can give like God gives, which is not sparing. He is not spared with you, which is not reluctant. He gave joyfully to you his life. And not under compulsion, he was glad to lay down his life for you. That's the math, the method, now the motivation. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When you sow generously, you'll reap generously, and he will increase the store of your seed. Seed for sowing, not seed for keeping. This is where the, 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 the prosperity guys, some of them, they take a wrong turn. They think it's about God making us monetarily rich. God does something way better than making us monetarily rich. He makes us like him. He allows us to give like he gives. What you keep is all you have, but what God, what you give, God will multiply. It says that he gives a harvest of righteousness. He wants to make you like him, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is a giver. And check this out. People will thank God because of what you give. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I travel to other churches, and I help at other churches, both here in the States and some overseas. And where I go, people are like, you must thank Jubilee Church for what they're doing for our church now and in the past. And if you're new to Jubilee Church, we give more than... Um, we give 10% plus of our income away to help other churches, help struggling or new churches get started or established, to help them um, get staff, to help them with their buildings, to, to encourage them to, to work together, to help. We've helped um, 
We've helped those in crisis in the Ukraine and, and Kenya. We've helped the believers uh, that, that, are, that are doing church with us and our wider family of churches in the Middle East who are hard-pressed. We've helped them. And they are thanking God for your generosity. They're not, it's not just people. People all over, literally all over the world are doing that. And there are people in this church near to us who thank God for your generosity because they come and they've had their lives changed. Just last week, a, a couple out in Kirkwood pulled me aside and with tears in their eyes says, hey, you know, we heard that it was like touch and go and that you may not have planted Kirkwood. I just want you to know that I'm so glad that you guys did that because our lives have been changed by this. And it wasn't, I mean, I had a part to play, but we all had a part to play in all of our locations. Your generosity is producing thanksgiving to God. You can give money, and because you gave money, somebody who wasn't thanking God is now thanking God. Hundreds of people all over the world, thousands of people all over the world, thanking God because of your generosity. But it's not just that. It says, uh, it says something even, I think, more profound. Um, it says, by the approval of this service, they will glorify God. So they're not just like think, but they're glorifying God, which means that people are becoming Christians. And that's what this next resource initiative is all about. That we, won't, we don't want to be the kind of church that just, it's, it's about us or about what we've done. And we, we want to be the kind of church that's continually laying down its life so that other, more people can come to know him. And what this is saying, it says, by their approval of service, people will glorify God because of what we give. Because check out what it says. It goes, because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying that, that when you give money, you are confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. We've talked about this throughout the series, that, that you, you, you either serve God or money. That you, you trust who, you know, you know, money is your God or God is your God. And so when you give money away, I'm sorry, this is all I have a dollar right now. But they, it would have been much better of an analogy, I think, if I had like 100 or something. But anyway, we would say, you know, I'm not going to serve this. I'm not trusting this. I'm going to trust God. And when we give money away, it's just, it's, I think, like the loudest thing that we could say is like, God is God. Jesus is Lord. He's the one I'm serving. He's the one I'm trusting. And when we do that, this is what happens. People... It's not, we don't confess with our mouth, even though we need to do that too. It's like we confess with our life. We confess with our lifestyle that Jesus is Lord. I'm not trusting money. I'm trusting God. And people begin to glorify God. It's just like when Jesus says, if you lift me up, if you magnify me, if you make me great, if you make me great in your life, I will draw men to myself. And that's what this is about. That we can, when we give, it produces a thanksgiving to God. But when we give, it actually changes people's lives and they begin to glorify God. Our giving is proof that Jesus is Lord. Giving is like one of the greatest things that we can do to testify that he is Lord. And he, he in his wisdom, in his magnificence, he makes things happen. And it produces for us the harvest of righteousness. This like that your life is actually making not just a difference, but an eternal difference. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. The fruit that we have because 
our giving.